Welcome to the Mission Cleveland Weekly Podcast, encouragement and hope in a despairing world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. How is everyone? It's tight. (laughs) It's tight in here. But it's so, so good to be with everyone. Let me pray. And we're going to look at that passage, John 10. Oh, Lord Jesus, you give us this beautiful, beautiful image of you, our good shepherd. All that we have needed, thy hand has provided. Everything, every single one of our needs, thy hand has provided, O Lord. To grant us now a stillness to hear your word and to come to your table and be reminded, not just reminded, but to be fed again in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I've been thinking a lot because we've got this workshop coming up on trust on the 21st. I've been thinking a lot about trust. And the purpose of that workshop is to imagine what we must do as a church to grow in our trustworthiness 
in the midst of a community, in the midst of a neighborhood. But I want to talk tonight about what it feels like, what we experience in in our day-to-day walk in attempting to maintain trust of our Lord. And I just think there's so many things in this world that just promise us good. (laughs) There's so many things. And there's this, if you're like me, you're you maybe kind of walk around with a little bit of skepticism when someone promises you that something is good. Like, what are you after, really? And maybe we've experienced some of that in healthcare or in buying a car or just whatever. Just a little bit of, you know, is this person for real? Can this person really be after my own? interests and we're just told by so many different places like i've got what you need trust me i've got what you need it's kind of that idea of like the zero sum game are you guys familiar with that terminology it's like i can't really have an advantage for myself without there being a loss to someone else or if someone else has an advantage maybe that loss comes to me I think we see that in, in instances like gentrification in a neighborhood where it's great in some way because there's a lot of new homes and, and uh, revitalization in a neighborhood, but also sometimes the housing market goes up in that neighborhood and people get displaced. And it's hard for us to imagine good without also loss. And so we just kind of enter into these experiences just slightly, slightly skeptical have these images of manipulation, right? Someone comes along and says, I've got what you need. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> and I think we've just been on the receiving side of that loss far too often, and it comes at a cost. And I think the currency is trust. We don't know who to trust. And it's not just that, like sometimes we even wonder, like, well, what is even good? And all along the way, we still kind of maintain this desire to be well, to have good relationships, to have healthy emotional experiences and boundaries and everything that comes along with, with just health and healthy in our spiritual lives. Like, we still crave that, and yet we kind of get caught in this tension of like, well, what is good what is good in the context of of john 10 before we even get to john 10 the backdrop the entire backdrop drop to john 10 is this story of this man who's been born blind in john chapter 9 and the whole story seems to be kind of co-opted i mean it was a it's a beautiful story of christ healing a man who's been blind from birth. And it gets co-opted by this conflict. Who is Jesus? And it's not just like any confusion. Like we might have some of that. We've probably experienced some of like Christian conflict, like Presbyterians think this way, Methodists think this way, Baptist, Church of God. Like we've got, we know about that, right? We've probably, every single person in this room has experienced some of that tension. But this is like beyond. This conflict 
This tension is literally, is Jesus the Messiah, is Jesus Christ, or is he some kind of evil person? Is he a demon, or is he a prophet? Is he someone who's been given these experiences and this power from God on high, or is he from the devil? You can't get much more stark in your contrast than that. So there's this division, and we see it, and we we pick up on it even as we get into John 10. The man that has now been given his sight was asked, well, what do you say since he opened your eyes? His words, he's a prophet. He's been inspired by God. And then by the time we get into John 10, we've got that whole narrative. Some believe Jesus had a demon. And that question really hangs in the balance as we step into John 10. Here it is. Can a demon cure a blind man's eyes? I wonder... Maybe we haven't asked that question lately, but I do wonder what variation of that question we might hang on to, some remnant of that question that we might ask. Can I really trust who Jesus is? Can I trust that Jesus is good? Yeah, I, I get Jesus. I'll follow Jesus, but is he good? Is he, is he really worth me listening to and saying no to some other things while I follow Jesus? Is he good? What does it mean for us to say that Jesus is the good shepherd? Here we are. We celebrate this day every year in Eastertide. It's Good Shepherd Sunday. But what does it mean for us to refer to Jesus as the good shepherd? That word in Greek, it could mean good, of course, but it could also mean right or fitting or honorable or beautiful. Here's what I think sometimes when I think about good. Something is good if it kind of appeals to me. If it's attractive to me in some way, then I might say, well, that's good. You know how we use that in just our kind of everyday language? That's good because I like it. Subjectively, I can interact with that in some way, and it brings me some sense of pleasure, and it's attractive to me, and so therefore it must be good. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, Jesus is not always attractive to us. I remember when we lived in Wisconsin, we bought this house. It was a house built in 1911, so it was a 100-year-old house, beautiful house. And I decided to do some work on the front porch, and I started to tear off. It had been covered with, with like, um, aluminum fascia and then layer and layer and layer of paint. And I just remember scraping the paint And then you get down and you see the beautiful wood like that's underneath all of that. It's like, I can't believe they painted over this. You know, I mean, the wood that they used back in 1911 is very different than what you might buy at Lowe's or Home Depot today. 
There was beauty underneath all that, but it, like, it took kind of some, some pain, some scraping to get down to that beauty. And I just think so many times in our lives, like what's good, what's underneath all of it? I think sometimes Jesus is just coming and scraping away some of that old stuff that's just gotten caked up over the years. And he's trying to reveal the beauty that actually is in us as his child, as his children, as his sons and daughters. But it is not attractive when that's happening. And if you're like me, your first instinct is to run from that kind of experience and not stick around. I don't want to be scraped anymore, Jesus. I've had my scrapings. What do we really mean when we call Jesus the good shepherd? The good shepherd. Well, I first just want to say... And we could mean a lot of things there, but first, let me just say, like, Jesus is good really primarily because he doesn't force his good on us. He's good, and he holds his goodness out to us, and it's like our cure. And he says, here it is. Come and, and take. This is good for you. But he doesn't try to shove it down your throat. He's not that kind of a Lord. He leads us to get to know him. He shows us that he's good. He's the good shepherd. And he just keeps moving toward us. Through all the sacrifice that we see Christ go through, he just continues to move toward us. Even in the midst of all of our unfinished stuff. Even when it's not all there yet, Jesus moves in. And I just want to say, I thought about moms here, and whether you're a spiritual mom or a biological mom, or whether you've received mothering or expressed mothering, I just think there's something that we see this picture of motherhood here in Jesus, that he actually stands in the gap in the midst of our unfinished stuff, and he breathes into us the life that's not been born yet, and he calls that out of us. And we have to have Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to stand in that place because who else will? And if we've been fortunate enough, maybe we've had a mom who stepped into that space too and just kind of called that good out of us. Thank you, mothers, spiritual, biological moms, in whatever capacity you've served. So very often, God reveals his goodness to us gradually over a long period of time. It just takes time. Just so familiar with my unfinished parts. <laughs> if you get to know me, you'll know them. You probably will see them before I see them, actually, for some of you. But Jesus, the good shepherd, offers us this cure, and he doesn't force it on us. He's good. But you know, while he doesn't force it on us, he certainly pursues us. He seeks you. He's after you. In the healthiest sense of the way, he's pursuing you, and how does he pursue us? 
I think one primary way Jesus pursues us is with his voice, with the word. For the blind man in John 9, he first discovers Jesus by his voice. Of course, he couldn't see. And even, even then, Jesus, the very first encounter with Jesus, Jesus spits in the mud and then rubs mud on this man's eyes and says, go to the pool of Siloam. And the man did. He did. And he regained his sight. That's important. The voice of Jesus as the good shepherd is important. I don't know a whole lot about shepherding, but I know the voice of Jesus is important for us. We read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Kind of pay attention to that threefold movement there. My sheep hear my voice. We recognize him. We recognize him, and we recognize that we are known by him. And in that intimate reality, when we discover that, that the God of the universe, the good shepherd, knows us, I think there's a big movement in our heart that just kind of craves to follow Jesus. That's why he doesn't have to to force it on us. His way of revealing himself is just to say, I know you. I know you by name. Never forced. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Out of the domain of darkness and into that place of his light, as Paul says in Colossians. Well, I still think there's a a challenge, though, isn't there, for us to trust this voice of Jesus. Even maybe part of us kind of gets it. You know, we're, we're partly there. You know, we think, well, Jesus, I think you're good, but can I trust you? Do I trust him enough to follow his voice? Do I trust Jesus enough to follow his voice? And I think part of what we're learning in John 10 is that the Holy Spirit has given us as, as his sheep. He's given us ears by the Holy Spirit, uniquely equipped to hear the voice of Jesus. So glad you're here, Terrell. It's great. Bring it, man. Just keep it. (laughs) Ultimately, I think in the voice of Christ, we recognize the Easter joy. I think that's why this passage comes in Eastertide. Most of what we read, by the way, in Eastertide is like a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And those are such cool stories. Here, we're kind of going back in time and getting a story that happened before Christ was crucified. But it's important, it connects, right? Because what we're seeing is the Easter joy that happens when we follow the Good Shepherd. That not only is Jesus the Good Shepherd, He's also the Lamb that was slain. And we can trust Him because not only did He reveal that He was God, He became human. He acquainted Himself with us. His grief is our grief. Our grief is His grief. He knows what we experience He's the good shepherd because he chose. He chose to suffer. Again, in John 10, I lay down my life 
that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Nothing, nothing can defeat the good shepherd, not even death. We don't even have to fear death. We follow a good shepherd who has the authority to lay down his life and take it up again. Lastly, I just want to say Jesus is the good shepherd because he really guides us beyond what we can see and feel, but most certainly he guides us beyond our wounds. He guides us beyond our hurts. And I think we can get so, so consumed with our hurts. And I'm, by the way, if, if you're in a place where you've been hurt by a, a relationship or something in your family growing up, or even by the church, you know, I just want to encourage you, please go talk with a therapist or a pastor or someone about those experiences. I'm not at all encouraging silence around those. I've just noticed, I think sometimes we hang on to those far too long and we get so consumed, we just get consumed with the way that we've been hurt. And we almost refuse to let Jesus do that healing work in us. And he's just standing there as the good shepherd inviting us to go down this pathway of healing with him. And we can just be so, and I get it, we can just be so hurt. But be cautious, be aware of how your hurt can keep you at a distance from those who you love and and the good shepherd. When we listen to the voice of the good shepherd, he heals our pain. He's taking us into green pastures. I just read this devotional this week as I was working on this homily. It was a devotion by Henry Nouwen, and he just encouraged this prayer, very simple prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. How might our, our, our week take a different shape if we held on to that prayer a little more closely this week as we follow the Good Shepherd? When we listen to the Good Shepherd, we hear Jesus offer this regular invitation into the resurrection life. He says, I give them eternal life and no one, no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Not only are, are there these fragmented parts of us that Jesus, I think, is trying to heal, but he's also, like, it's not just about us. Like, this is, this is a for-the-life-of-the-world reality that we grab hold of, that we invite, that we hang on to when we follow the Good Shepherd. He just wants to invite everyone to the party. That's Jesus. Our reading from Revelation, I'll read it again. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne 
and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Every people group, every ethnicity is invited into this meal, is invited to follow the Good Shepherd to the feast. In our preaching team this week, um, I thought this was a good question that came up. I think Sean Enright asked it. Sometimes I think we're asking this question. Jesus, can you just tell me why I can trust you? Isn't that a, a cool prayer you could also take into your week? Jesus, could you just tell me why I can trust you this week or with this thing or with my family or with whatever, my job, whatever? And I think it, sometimes it's, it's kind of like the difference between you know, cooking a meal and actually eating the meal. And we can get really good at cooking and, and watch cooking shows and buy all the ingredients and even make the meal. But at some point, if you want to know good food, like you've got to taste it. You've got to actually consume the meal. And Jesus is saying, I am the good meal. Don't just bake up something good. Don't just study theology or, 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 or think about me a lot. I want you to experience me. I want you to listen to my voice and follow my voice. And as we move to the table, let me just remind us of these words of our liturgy where we all say, Christ, our Passover lamb, the good shepherd, is sacrificed for us. And we all say together, therefore, let us keep the feast. And so friends and family, let us taste the goodness of God. Let us keep the feast that our good shepherd invites us into tonight, this week, in the months and years to come in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Speak truth to my heart. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland my next week. Thoughts betray me.